0: You're listening to Morning Short, the podcast that brings you one great short story every morning. Available on listen.morningshort.com, iTunes, SoundCloud, and any podcast app. Today's story is Bellom's Beast by Guy de Maupassant. Before we start, I have a question for you. Have you tweeted your personal invite link to Morning Short yet? Share great stories and earn Morning Short prizes. Get your link at share.morningshort.com. And now to the story. The coach for Havre was ready to leave Cricketot, and all the passengers were waiting for their names to be called out in the courtyard of the commercial hotel kept by Monsieur Melendin, Jr., It was a yellow wagon mounted on wheels which had once been yellow, but were now almost gray through the accumulation of mud. The front wheels were very small, the back ones, high and fragile, carried the large body of the vehicle, which was swollen like the belly of an animal. Three white horses with enormous heads and great round knees were the first things one noticed they were harnessed ready to draw this coach which had something of the appearance of a monster in its massive structure the horses seemed already asleep in front of the strange vehicle the driver Césaire A little man with a big paunch, supple nevertheless, through his constant habit of climbing over the wheels to the top of the wagon, his face all aglow from exposure to the brisk air of the plains, to rain and storms, and also from the use of brandy, his eyes twitching from the effect of constant contact with wind and hail, appeared in the doorway of the hotel, wiping his mouth on the back of his hand. Large round baskets full of frightened poultry were standing in front of the peasant women. Césaire Olaville took them one after the other and packed them on the top of his coach. Then, more gently, he loaded on those containing eggs. Finally, he tossed up from below several little bags of grain, small packages wrapped in handkerchiefs, pieces of cloth or paper. Then he opened the back door, and drawing a list from his pocket, he called Monsieur le curé de Gorgeville. The priest advanced. He was a large, powerful, robust man with a red face and a genial expression. He hitched up his cassock to lift his foot, just as the women hold up their skirts, and climbed into the coach. The schoolmaster of rolibose les The man hastened forward, tall, timid, wearing a long frock coat which fell to his knees, and he in turn disappeared through the open door. Maitre Poiret, two seats. Poiret approached, a tall, round-shouldered man, bent by the plow, emaciated through abstinence, bony, with a skin dried by a sparing use of water. His wife followed him, small and thin, like a tired animal, carrying a large green umbrella in her hands. Maître Rabot, two seats. Rabot hesitated, being of an undecided nature. He asked, You mean me? The driver was going to answer with a jest when Rabot dived headfirst towards the door, pushed forward by a vigorous shove from his wife, a tall, square woman with a large, round stomach like a barrel and hands as large as hams. Rabot slipped into the wagon like a rat entering a hole. Maître caniveau! A large peasant, heavier than an ox, made the springs bend and was in turn engulfed in the interior of the yellow chest. Maître Bellhomme, tall and thin, came forward, his neck bent, his head hanging, a handkerchief held to his ear, as if he were suffering from a terrible toothache. All these people wore the blue blouse over quaint and antique coats of a black or greenish cloth, Sunday clothes which they would only uncover in the streets of Havre. Their heads were covered by silk caps as high as towers, the emblem of supreme elegance in the small villages of Normandy. Césaire Olaville closed the door, climbed up on his box, and snapped his whip. The three horses awoke and, tossing their heads, shook their bells. The driver then yelling, "'Get up!' as loud as he could, whipped up his horses. They shook themselves and, with an effort, started off at a slow, halting gait. And behind them came the coach, rattling its shaky windows and iron springs, making a terrible clatter of hardware and glass, while the passengers were tossed hither and thither like so many rubber balls. At first, all kept silent out of respect for the priest, that they might not shock him. Being of a loquacious and genial disposition, he started the conversation. "'Well, Maître Cannaveau,' he said, "'how are you getting along?' The enormous farmer, who, on account of his size, girth, and stomach, felt a bond of sympathy for the representative of the church, answered with a smile, "'Pretty well, monsieur le curé, pretty well, and how are you?' "'Oh, I am always well and healthy.' "'And you, maître Poiret?' asked the abbey. "'Oh, I'd be all right. Only the colzas ain't a going to be giving much this year, and times are so hard they are the only things worth raisin.' "'Well, what can you expect? Times are hard.' "'Hope I should say they were hard,' sounded the rather virile voice of Rabot's big consort. As she was from a neighboring village, the priest only knew her by name. "'Is that you, Blondel?' he said. "'Yes, I'm the one that married Rabot.' Rabot, slender, timid, and self-satisfied, bowed smilingly, bending his head forward as though to say, "'Yes, I'm the Rabot whom Blondel married.' Suddenly, Maître Bellhomme, still holding his handkerchief to his ear, began groaning in a pitiful fashion. He was going, oh, 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 and stamping his foot in order to show his terrible suffering. "'You must have an awful toothache,' said the priest. The peasant stopped moaning for a minute and answered, "'No, Monsieur le Curé, it is not the teeth, it is my ear, way down at the bottom of my ear!' "'Well?' What have you got in your ear? A lump of wax? I don't know whether it's wax, but I know that it is a bug, a big bug, that crawled in while I was asleep in the haystack. A bug? Are you sure? Am I sure? As sure as I am of heaven, Monsieur le Curé, I can feel it gnawing at the bottom of my ear. It's eating my head for sure. It's eating my head. Oh, oh, oh. And he began to stamp his foot again. "'Great interest had been aroused among the spectators. "'Each one gave his bit of advice. Poiret claimed that it was a spider. "'The teacher thought it might be a caterpillar. "'He had already seen such a thing once at Campemuret in Orne, "'where he had been for six years. "'In this case the caterpillar had gone through the head and out at the nose. "'But the man remained deaf in that ear ever after, "'the drum having been pierced. "'It's more likely to be a worm,' said the priest.' Maître Bellhomme, his head resting against the door, for he had been the last one to enter, was still moaning. Oh, 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 I think it must be an ant, a big ant! There it is, biting again! Oh, Monsieur le Cure, how it hurts! How it hurts! Have you seen the doctor? asked Canivet. I should say not. Why? The fear of the doctor seemed to cure Bellhomme. He straightened up without, however, dropping his handkerchief. "'What? You have money for them? For those loafers? "'He would have come once, twice, three times, four times, five times? "'That means two five-franc pieces! Two five-franc pieces for sure! "'And what would he have done, the loafer? Tell me, what would he have done? "'Can you tell me?' Carnival was laughing. "'No, I don't know. Where are you going?' "'I'm going to Havre to see Chambrelan.' "'Who is Chambrelan?' "'The healer, of course!' what healer the healer who cured my father your father yes the healer who cured my father years ago what was the matter with your father a draft caught him in the back so that he couldn't move hand or foot well what did your friend chambrillon do to him he kneaded his back with both hands as though he were making bread and he was all right in a couple of hours Bellum thought that Chambrellon must also have used some charm, but he did not dare say so before the priest. Carnivaux replied, laughing, "'Are you sure it isn't a rabbit that you have in your ear? He might have taken that hole for his home. Wait, I'll make him run away!' Whereupon Carnivaux, making a megaphone of his hands, began to mimic the barking of hounds." He snapped, howled, growled, barked, and everybody in the carriage began to roar, even the schoolmaster, who, as a rule, never ever smiled. However, as Bellome seemed angry at their making fun of him, the priest changed the conversation and, turning to Rabot's big wife, said, You have a large family, haven't you? Oh, yes, Monsieur le Curé, and it's a pretty hard matter to bring them up. Rabot agreed, nodding his head as though to say. Oh yes, it's a hard thing to bring up. How many children? She replied authoritatively in a strong, clear voice. Sixteen children, Monsieur le Cure. Fifteen of them by my husband. And Rabot smiled broadly, nodding his head. He was responsible for fifteen. He alone, Rabot. His wife said so. Therefore, there could be no doubt about it, and he was proud. And whose was the sixteenth? She didn't tell. It was doubtless the first. Perhaps everybody knew, for no one was surprised. Even Carnivale kept mum. But Belhomme began to moan again. Oh, oh, oh! It's scratching about in the bottom of my ear. Oh dear, oh dear! The coach just then stopped at the Cafe Polito. The priest said, "If someone were to pour a little water into your ear, it might perhaps drive it out." Do you want to try? Sure, I am willing. And everybody got out in order to witness the operation. The priest asked for a bowl, a napkin, and a glass of water. Then he told the teacher to hold the patient's head over on one side, and, as soon as the liquid should have entered the ear, to turn his head over suddenly on the other side. But Canibot, who was already peering into Bellom's ear to see if he couldn't discover the beast, shouted, "'Gosh, what a mess! You'll have to clear that out, old man! Your rabbit could never get through that! His feet would stick!' The priest in turn examined the passage and saw that it was too narrow and too congested for him to attempt to expel the animal. It was the teacher who cleared out this passage by means of a match and a bit of cloth. Then, in the midst of the general excitement, the priest poured into the passage half a glass of water, which trickled over the face through the hair and down the neck of the patient. Then the schoolmaster quickly twisted the head round over the bowl as though he were trying to unscrew it. A couple of drops dripped into the white bowl. All the passengers rushed forward. No insect had come out. However, Belhomme exclaimed, I don't feel anything any more. The priest triumphantly exclaimed, Certainly it has been drowned. Everyone was happy and got back into the coach. But hardly had they started when Belhomme began to cry out again. The bug had aroused itself and had become furious. He even declared that it had now entered his head and was eating his brain. He was howling with such contortions that Poirat's wife, thinking him possessed by the devil, began to cry and to cross herself. Then, the pain abating a little, the sick man began to tell how it was running round in his ear. With his finger he imitated the movements of the body, seeming to see it, to follow it with his eyes. There it goes, up again, oh! torture carnival was getting impatient it's the water that is making the bug angry it is probably more accustomed to wine everybody laughed and he continued when we get to the Cafe bourbeau give it some brandy and it won't bother you any more i wager but Bellom could contain himself no longer he began howling as though his soul were being torn from his body the priest was obliged to hold his head for him. They asked Césaire Olaville to stop at the nearest house. It was a farmhouse at the side of the road. Bellhomme was carried into it and laid on the kitchen table in order to repeat the operation. Canivot advised mixing brandy and water in order to be numb and perhaps kill the insect, but the priest preferred vinegar. They poured the liquid in drop by drop this time that it might penetrate down to the bottom and they left it several minutes in the organ that the beast had chosen for its home. A bowl had once more been brought. Bellome was turned over bodily by the priest and caniveau while the schoolmaster was tapping on the healthy ear in order to empty the other. Césaire Olaville himself, whip in hand, had come in to observe the proceedings. Suddenly, at the bottom of the bowl appeared a little brown spot, no bigger than a tiny seed. However, it was moving. "'It was a flea. First, there were cries of astonishment "'and then shouts of laughter. "'A flea! "'Well, that was a good joke, a mighty good one. "'Canivaux was slapping his thigh, "'Césaire Olavia snapped his whip, "'the priest laughed like a braying donkey, "'the teacher cackled as though he were sneezing, "'and the two women were giving little screams of joy, "'like the clucking of hens. Bellom had seated himself on the table "'and had taken the bowl between his knees.' "'He was observing with serious attention and a vengeful anger in his eye "'the conquered insect which was twisting round in the water. "'He grunted, "'You rotten little beast!' and he spat on it. "'The driver, wild with joy, kept repeating, "'A flea, a flea, ah, there you are, damned little flea, damned little flea, damned little flea!' "'Then, having calmed down a little, he cried, "'Well, back to the coach. We've lost enough time.' Before your next story, rate us five stars on iTunes. We count on your tweets and reviews to help us bring our stories to the largest number of readers possible. Visit share.morningshort.com to invite your family and friends to listen to stories from Morning Short. Learn more about the Morning Short project and sign up for our daily emails at morningshort.com.